Having a good day so far? Us starting a uh, second worship service at 8.30 has given us a little room to stretch here, hasn't it? means you're going to have to invite some friends, and I'm going to have to invite some friends. But uh, it's good to have a little elbow room, and uh, thank you for coming today. You can open up your Bible, if you will, to Matthew chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew chapter 22. And while you're turning there, uh, I tell you, um, <laughs> I've had the darndest experience over the last few days. My daughter has, both my daughters got married, and one of them uh, took a husband that uh, thought he was a mechanic and has learned over the last couple of days that he's not a mechanic. <laughs> and so I, I, I experienced this firsthand. He said, can I borrow a few of your tools, which I almost never let anybody do because I have, I was a mechanic for years. And if you've been a mechanic for a long time, you don't have cheap tools. You don't have snap-on stuff and stuff like that. And any of you who know that, you know that that's, that's an expensive brand. But anyway, I came home and he car was in pieces and he said, uh, and tools were in pieces. And they were. And uh, everywhere I looked on my nice clean snap-on toolbox was just grease on all the drawers. Black grease and grease on wrenches back in the drawers and all that sort of stuff. And I wiped my tools down, keep them in order before I put them back. And he said, I couldn't get it going. I tried. He said, I, I rounded a couple of bolts off and I couldn't with the impact wrench and I couldn't get them. I said, just just let me get it for you. He said, well, I'll come over and help you. I said, no, just let me get it for you. <clears throat> and so I proceeded the day before yesterday to start to take uh, part of the right, that was the tire he was working on, was the right front end of the car, and front end. And so when I got the tire off of it and got things apart, I saw quickly that the CV axle was gone, both joints and so I got that out and took that out and then the ball joint was gone and tie rod end was gone and and uh, all kind of stuff and uh, just about everything on a suspension on the right front wheel and uh, so then her car I didn't know it but it had been it had found its home in the mountains for about 10 years before she had it so all that salt and snow had corroded everything under that right front end. So he wasn't the only one that started breaking bolts then. Every bolt I turned would break. They wouldn't loosen. I'd soak them forever and penetrant, and they wouldn't get loose. So it's turning into a nightmare. And I drilled out two or three bolts and re-threaded them and all this stuff. And I had a ball joint that was so frustrating I couldn't get it loose. And so I went uh, to a junkyard yesterday. Now a one-day project turned into a two-day project. And, uh, of course, I was going to have it fixed for him in 30 minutes, you know, being a mechanic and all <clears throat> for years. Well, it's just a nightmare. And, and so I couldn't get one loose, and I finally threw it across the backyard, uh, and uh, literally. And uh, comes a point where you just go buy a new part. So I couldn't. Brand new part was going to be $195 at a dealership, and I found a junkyard on Wilkinson Boulevard, and I thought, my, I haven't been to a junkyard in forever. That'll be fun. So I went down to Sam Salvage down there on uh, Wilkinson Boulevard, and, oh, yes, sir, we got just the part you need. Now, I'm not a dummy, so I brought the old part with me, right? And I said, let me look at it and compare it, put them in the back of my truck. Yep, that's the one I need, 30 bucks. Like, yeah, baby, going back and putting this sucker back together. I got home, and of course they had a few additional parts on there that they didn't take it off. I just wanted the part I needed, just the part I needed. Well, when I got to getting that, I noticed the bolts that they had taken off, they didn't screw them out. They were 
broke off. <laughs> Broken off in the part that I had just paid for. Which meant that now I was going to get to drill those out and rethread those and all that sort of thing. So in the middle of doing that, I had a ball joint that I couldn't get out after all that redrilling and calling those people down their names, you know, <laughs> polite ones at that point. Uh, I finally got that ball uh, joint where I thought it was going to move a little bit, but it just didn't have a big enough punch. So I went over to my toolbox and got a punch, big steel rod basically, and a little hammer wasn't doing it. So I got my big 20-ounce ball-peen hammer, a bigger hammer, had it all viced up, and I said, one good whack, one real good whack, and I'll get that sucker out of there and I'll move on. Now this is, I am frustrated beyond means at this point. Snap-on tools makes a chisel holder, a punch holder. It's a thing that has a handle on it, and you tighten it down on there, thereby keeping your left hand safely out of the way of the descending hammer. But I'm a mechanic. I didn't need that because I never missed the chisel. I'm out there, yeah, up to my neck in grease, and I'm holding that thing, and I'm going to give it a really good whack, and I... I mean, I said, I'm going to, God, I knocked this thing loose, and I wham, and I came down, and I completely missed the chisel and hit that thumb. <laughs> I'm telling you, no, I did not say ouch. Who asked that? It hit it so hard, full. I mean, just, I hadn't done that in decades. I mean, whop, man, it just hit it right on the fingernail. I rolled over and laid in the floor, and I went, I can't tell you what I said next. <laughs> Might not listen to the rest of the message. Somebody said, did you cuss? I said, yep. <laughs> it was a four-letter one, but I did, I'll be honest. One thing about me, I'm honest. It hurt so bad. It hurt so bad. I tell you, I was, got back in it, finally got it back together after dark last night. After dark. I go out to test drive it. Kim's out there holding a the flashlight and there. The batteries went dead on. It took so long. So I went out there. I'm test driving it. Finally got it back together. You wouldn't have believed what it was like. I'm telling you. I go driving down the road to test drive it. No noise out of the right front wheel. None at all. Sound great. Handling great. No clunks. No noises. But I hear this. You know, is it? Speeding up, not with the engine, but with the rolling. I got on the phone and I called Rachel's new husband, Nick, and I said, Nick, I've got that front wheel back together, and it sounds bad, but it sounds fine, but have you, did you know there's like a roaring in the back right wheel of this thing? Because he was going to replace the wheel bearing, so I had to replace all that. He said, well, that's what we were trying to correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, that noise is in the right rear. It ain't in the right front. Oh, he said, well, I didn't know. Rachel just said it sounded like it was coming from the right front. I 
I said, it's ready. You can come pick it up anytime you want. We'll fix that later. Now, they're happy, I promise you. My security camera just picked them up and beat me 20 go minutes ago. They came over there and picked it up, and I saw him laying down on a, looking up under the front end. He laid on the driveway and looked under there. He was getting up, and she said, how does it look? He said, it looks new. <laughs> it is new. Everything on the right front wheel is pretty much new. Had he looked at the right rear wheel, he might have had a different idea. Now, you know what I did. I learned my life lesson, my life saying. I learned it over again. I always say, and I told Jim this morning, my life saying is, it ain't what you suspect, it's what you inspect. How did I work on a car that I didn't even test drive? You never trust a customer's opinion. I, 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 I assessment on what's wrong with the car, it's not what you suspect, it's what you what? What you inspect. All right, now carrying that over into our spiritual life, because we get so comfortable with the spiritual, becomes a part of what we're doing. I want you to look with Matthew at Matthew chapter 22, a couple of verses in a moment, we're going to read them. But we're going to inspect some things today. Now, I'm going to suspect that we all got it figured out. We're going to inspect some stuff today so we don't wind up <laughs> fixing the wrong will. Now, if somebody were to ask you, what does God really want from us more than anything else? What does he want from me more than anything else? Now, if you said, well, to believe he exists, or if you said for us to go to church more, or if you said that we wouldn't sin or that we'd be kind to one another, or be good, uh, you'd be wrong. You might think you were right, but because God desires more than anything else, something else, you'd be wrong. You know what God desires more than anything else for you and for me is that, listen to me, that we be in a restored, loving relationship with Him. Now, I want to be incredibly clear about this. The Bible says that you and I were actually created as the object of God's love. God created us to love us. God actually made you to love you, and God wants to have a real, genuine relationship with you. Hear me now, intentional language, where you, where you love Him. Where you love Him. And where you have let Him, in return, loved you. Now, contrary... Or let him love you, contrary to what you may already believe, because for years I thought maybe God didn't want anything to do with me. God already loves you. God already loves you. That's fact. More than you can imagine, he loves you. And the most important thing you could ever do is learn to love him back. In Matthew chapter 22, a religious man, a keeper of the law, he knew the law of the Old Testament, as we call the Old Testament, the law, this guy comes up to Jesus. Now, he's really trying to trick Jesus. He was not sincere, but he asked Jesus. Uh, and actually, in verse 36, he says, uh, he says, Master, which is the greatest commandment in all of the law? So he's asking, what's the most important thing I could ever do in all the law? You know what Jesus says? Look, at, here's how Jesus answered in Matthew chapter 22, 
See the question in verse 36. But in verse 37, Jesus said to him, you want to know what that is? He says, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, that's the most important thing you can ever get. Jesus said nothing is more important that you have and I'm stressing it intentionally, a love relationship with Jesus. Now, if you do that, you have a loving relationship with Jesus, then you are realizing, when you do that, your primary purpose for existence. That's what you were made for. But regardless of anything else or everything else that you and I could ever accomplish in life, if we miss this part, this loving relationship, then life for you at its end will be a failure, regardless of what else you may accomplish. Why? Because in all you accomplish, you will still wind up missing the very thing for which you were created in the first place. Expressing my love to God. Expressing that to Him. That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, there, there's really a term in the Bible for that, and it's the word worship. That's what worship is, expressing love to God, adoring God. We don't typically define worship that way, but that's precisely what worship is, expressing love to God. How do I express my love? You know, lots of ways. We're going to talk about some, but one of the challenges we have, some of us, is that we have a real hard time, maybe even saying in human relationships, three important words, I love you. To people we really love. I love you. Now my father could always say I love you. But he never showed it. But some people really do feel. The emotion of love. They really do love people. But generations wise. Two generations back. Parents were literally taught. Across this nation or across the world. Never show affection to children. Did you know that? You've all probably heard, if you've been around 20 years, Dr. Benjamin Spock wrote his special book and it influenced a whole generation. Well, there was a generation long before people ever heard of him. There was a book that came out, far more famous, sold more and more copies. It would have been my father's father's generation. And I have a copy of that. And basically it says, don't ever show expression and affection to your children. Don't ever kiss them. Don't ever touch them. You may choose to touch them lightly on the hand or the forehead before they go to bed. But never kiss them. Never love them. Never hug them. Never. You'll spoil the child. You'll ruin the child. That was the thought of the day. And so if you've seen a lot of these old guys, like they don't know how to handle if you hug them as a guy. Like it's really, really weird to them. And especially for some of us guys that has carried down I've had so many people say to me through counseling for 25 years, 30 years, I've had them say, Sadly, my dad never once told me he loved me. Now, I'm sure he did, they'll say, but he never said it. And you know, sometimes we feel it, but, but for whatever reasons, we may never know how to express it. And so it carries over, and we don't know how to express it or say it to God. So today, I'm not going to suspect we're going to do a little inspecting, okay? <laughs> Lest we diagnose and try to fix the wrong problem. 
And if you're a mechanic at all, you can understand that. Now, I'm going to you, lead you today, not so much in a sermon, but in an easy, interactive kind of message. And I'm going to encourage you to take a little self-test. Did you get an outline with your message today? If you didn't, lift your hand. One of our friendly ushers will make sure that you get one. Just lift your hand up and keep it up until they get one. But I, I, I hope that at the end of today, in about 30 minutes, maybe you'll be able to feel loved by God more than you ever have. And maybe you'll be able to love God more than you ever have and express your love to Him more than you ever have. So we're going to talk about five ways to live a life of worship, to express your love to God. Number one, you can write it down. Just keep your hands up if you need an outline. But number one... You can write it down, it's simple, by talking to him. Now, boy, that, you say, I came all the way here to hear that and got up out of bed. On my, somebody mentioned, was it Ryan? Said, we got an extra, did we get an extra hour of sleep last night? Huh? Not if you have kids. I was going to say, no, I didn't get an extra hour. What the heck is an extra hour? So I didn't, uh, my thumb was hurting so bad. I couldn't sleep. That thing is blue. Ugh. But here, listen, here's a great way. Yeah, you got up to hear this because here's what we do a lot of times. We miss the obvious things. You say, talking to God is worshiping Him. Sure it is. May I give you, by the way, just a little life lesson? It is this. Write this down. When I talk with God, our relationship grows. And when I don't talk with God, our relationship decays. Now, you mark it down. It's that simple. That's just one of many ways. But listen, here's why. When you really love somebody, you talk to them, right? When you really love somebody, you talk with them. You remember when you first fell in love maybe as a teenager and your parents got upset? Why? Because you were always on the phone. I mean, you looked like you had a phone growing out of your ear, some of you. And I got teenagers, and I never understood that from my parents. We still had a house phone at that time. I, I would come in here and say, get off the phone. I'm trying to ask you a question. Every time, have it up there. But you know why they did that? They talked, they talked, or you talked, and you talked. You were getting to know that person. And that's how you get to know people, through talking. If your husband or wife never talks to you, you have good cause to wonder if they even love you. You really do. That's why husbands, husbands, you need to talk to your wife. She needs this like multiple vitamins, not one a day. Daily use, daily dose, right? You say, well, what do you talk to God about? Listen, you can talk to God about anything that you'd talk with your best friend about, your closest friend. You really can. Everything, your hopes, your fears, your dreams, your anxieties, things you're embarrassed about. He already knows things you're proud of, things you're ashamed of, your goals, your ambitions, your hurts, your cares, every part of your life. You can come to God and, and talk to Him. I love Psalm 116, verse 1. It says this, the psalmist is writing, and the psalms are a great expression of love to the Lord, and many of them. Psalmist is writing and he says, I love the Lord. Why? Because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. He's saying, I love the Lord. 
Because the Lord listens to me. And for the Lord to listen to him, he had to be what? Talking to the Lord. He says, I'll keep doing that forever. He felt so close with the Lord. Now hear me, if you don't feel close to God, if you don't feel close to God, and some of you don't, some of you have been believers quite a long time, and honestly, the relationship has kind of lost its glow and spark. And if you don't feel like you're close to the Lord, there's a simple remedy for that. Start talking to Him. Start talking to Him. Maybe you don't talk to Him like you used to. Over time, what we do is we get religious. We get phrases and stuff. And I'm working on this to try to eliminate almost religious cliches from my verbiage. It's going to be almost impossible. But we get all these things that we repeat over and over and over in prayer. But you know what that winds up being? That winds up, if we're not careful, being just religious talk. You know, our prayer can be so dry and so formalized by fake language. If my, my daughter, who probably wouldn't be good for her to come up and ask me today for it, but if my daughters, one of them, or my kids, or my grandkids who love me, if they just wanted some gas for their car, you know, she doesn't need to come up to me and say, Oh, thou who art lofty, thou whose pockets are deeper than mine, might I entreat thee most humbly, my Father, in thy mercy for a few dollars that I might purchase Dear Father, a refined product of petroleum (laughs) consisting of a mixture of hydrocarbons, additives, and blending agents for my vehicle. She doesn't have to do that. Because we have a love relationship. You know all she has to do? Come up. (laughs) You just did it. (laughs) Just look at you, sweet. And there are your kids. Daddy, I love you. I'm sunk right there, right? I'm like, I'm sunk. I promise you, after I get over it, I'll be fixing the right rear tire. But, <laughs> but <laughs> if she looks at me, because we have a love relationship, and says, Daddy, I love you. I'm out of gas. I need some money for gas. I'm sorry. She's going to get it. <laughs> and that's in the very same way, not in an abusive way, but sometimes don't we just don't you just realize that you just need just you to go to your father, your heavenly father and say, "Father, I'm out of gas. I need your help. I'm struggling. Gosh, I'm embarrassed about what I did, Father." I love you. Oh, Lord, I messed up today. Oh, God, I I can't believe I did that. Or, God, look what I did. I tried to do something good for you today. Just talk to him. If you love him, you don't have to fear him. If you love people and they love you, you can go to them, right? Talk to them. Now, here you go. Rate yourself on this way of worship. How often, on your outline, how often do I talk to God each day? You got three categories there. Regularly? Occasionally or rarely. Now, what I want you to do is this. I want you to put a circle around the one that describes kind of where you are right now. And then put a star or a check mark 
near the one where you'd like to go. Lord, right now, I just, I just talk to you regularly. I can go whole days and not talk to you. But I'd like to talk to you more often. Another way of worshiping the Lord, so simple, but we so simple, we just got to get back to the basics. The Christian life is not hard. It's by listening to Him. By listening to Him. Listening, now, I want to make eye contact with every one of you. But I say this, love looks. I can't really talk to you much if I'm doing this, can I? I'm kind of looking this way and just talking. Yeah, this is what we're supposed to be doing. You guys, you know I don't care about you. But listen, listening is one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone. The gift of listening, looking at them, making eye contact. We all want to be heard. We all want to matter. We all want to, when you listen to someone, what you're saying is, you matter to me. The same is true with God. Every time you and I listen to God, what we're saying is, God, you matter to me. I value, God, what you have to say. Listening is, is such a gift because when you're listening, you're giving your time. And what is your time? Your time is your life. Listening is one of the most misunderstood and neglected parts of prayer, too. We're good at number one sometimes, talking to the Lord. But do you ever just listen to the Lord? Do you know there is a part of prayer, prayer is two-way, where you pray and then you are to hush, be silent. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. And say, now God, what do you think about that? And then hush and just listen. You say, well, God speak like that? Absolutely. I remember after I first became a Christian, my pastor had spoken on this, and it felt so weird and dumb and stupid. But I went and I prayed, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And then I just was silent. I had everything turned off around me, just silent. And I was like, Lord, I don't hear anything. Now, I don't hear him with an audible ear. It was an impression, a thought. He speaks through his word, through pastors and teachers, through experiences, through impressions and thoughts. And... And, you know, I, I just said, Lord, I'm listening. And it was like I had a picture in my mind. I didn't see anything with my eyes, but I had an image kind of in my mind of a hand grasping a ball, a lump of clay, and just squeezing it, and it just oozing out between the fingers. And here's what the impression that I heard was this. Get a grip on the gospel and evangelize. Now, I knew what that meant because he was speaking to me. I knew it was the Lord. And what he was saying, I said, Lord, are you saying I'm supposed to be a pastor? Yes. He doesn't speak in big, long, drawn-out paragraphs like that. Yes. I thought, not me. No way. But I tell you, as clear as the, as clear as the roof on this place is and this wood pulpit... He was calling me to preach. But God is speaking to us. He wants to speak to us all the time. But we say, well, why don't I ever hear him? Sometimes it's because we're never, ever listening. We don't ever get quiet. We don't ever pause in the middle of a day and say, Lord, do you have anything to say to me right now? We're so busy. Our lives are so full of noise and 
We always have a channel on, a TV on, a stereo on, a phone on, something. And God can't get through to us most times because our lines are so busy. Sometimes that we need to take time not only just to talk to God and say, Lord, here's what I need, but we need to take time to listen to God. You stop talking and you listen because God is talking. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice. Did you get that? My sheep hear my voice. If you've never ever in your life had an impression or a thought or an idea or heard from God, you have every reason to wonder, man, I wonder if I really know God. Do I really have a relationship with Him? Am I truly a believer? Have I stepped across the line because... Because if you've never heard from him, maybe you haven't stepped across the line. Maybe, you're, maybe God is trying to speak to you, but you haven't made the connection, the relationship. And so, so look on your outline, rate yourself on this one. How often, be honest, how often do I pause to listen to God? Occasionally? Circle that. Regularly? Circle that. Rarely or circle that. Boy, that one convicted me. Gosh, because I'm a talker. Ah, I'm always talking. And honestly, I hadn't been doing that like I need to. Do I ever pause and say, God, is there anything you want me to, you want to say to me about this? Now, third way that you can worship Him is this. Third way is, that, is, is by singing to Him. By singing to Him. Now, some of you say, oh boy, oh, oh I'm not a singer. Well, I'm not either, but I love to sing to the Lord. And anywhere God is, you can worship Him, right? Can you worship Him in the shower? Absolutely. I sound amazing in the shower. I sound really good. I sound great out in the woods by myself. I sound great out in my shop by myself until I hit myself with a ball-peen hammer. But that's a great way, singing to the Lord, singing to Him when you're riding down the road. Boy, after you guys came to Hoskins and sang the other night, I literally, literally sang one of their songs the whole next day, and I kept singing it to the Lord. And that's one of the reasons for repetition. That's one of the good reasons for repetition in a song and simple phrases, so that it'll connect with our heart, and our heartstrings will connect with His, and we'll sing it the next day. Singing to him. And there, what are the most songs written about? Love. And you know the most songs, uh, person that, the person that the most love songs are written to is Jesus. Far and beyond second place. The topic of the most songs in this world that have ever been written are about Jesus Christ. Nothing even comes close in second place. Christianity is a singing faith because it's not about cold, dead religion. It's about a love relationship with the lover of our souls. It's about, it's about a God that loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us to pay for our sins so our relationship with God can be restored. Psalm 96, look at this, this is a command, look at this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, do you get it? Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice. Nothing will make you more aware of God's love and God's presence in your life than singing and praising Him. And you know what I've decided and what I've figured out over years? The times that I don't feel like singing 
is really when I need to sing to him most. Amen. You ever done that? You come to church and you, you don't feel like singing, or maybe you don't even go to church. You just don't feel like singing, but you go ahead and you sing anyway. Or you don't feel like going to church and, and you go ahead and go anyway. Some of the times that'll be when you're blessed most of all. It's because when you feel like you don't want to or don't need to, that's really the time you need to. I don't feel like getting involved. I just want to stand still and be a spectator. It means my heart is getting cold and it needs to be warmed up. Now, now, make it real applicable. Honestly, not just singing the words that the worship leaders are singing. Not just singing with the choir, but singing to the Lord. Actually concentrating on Him and singing to Him. Rate yourself. How often? Do I sing my thanks and love to God regularly? Occasionally? Or rarely? Circle the one that applies to you where you are right now. Put a star where you'd like that to move to so it'll give you something to shoot for. The fourth thing, the fourth way to express your love to God and worship Him. Fourth way is this, by publicly identifying with Him. Publicly identifying with him. Did you know that that is worship? It sure is. By not being ashamed of him at work. Not being ashamed of him at home or in your neighborhood. By not saying, well, I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm a Christian. I'm not going to talk anybody about my neighbors about Jesus. I'm not going to tell people at work. I'm keeping that a secret. If worship is love and expressing love, I say this. If you love God, you're not ashamed of him. If you worship him, you're not ashamed of him. You publicly identify with him. So, let me ask you this question. Think about your daily life right now. If it suddenly tomorrow became a law that it was illegal to be a Christian, that you could be jailed for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your home, in your friends, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would anybody even turn you in? Would anybody even suggest outside of this place that you were guilty of being a Christian? Jesus said it like this when we're embarrassed about him in Mark chapter 8. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Now I want you to get what he's doing. He's contrasting two world systems. He talks about this world right now. It is called adulterous and sinful by our Lord, right? And he says, there's this world system. But he says, there's another world system that's coming. I'm freezing to death. Are y'all cold too? Everybody's cold in here. So who knows how to adjust the thermostat? Just turn the fans off, if you will. Thank you. <laughs> when I'm cold, it's cold. And everybody I'm looking at teeth rattling. So, and it's, it's, I've thought about it five or six times, so it's messed me up preaching. So... Uh, there's two world systems, right? This evil and adulterous, sinful generation right now that we live in. We don't think of it like that, but that's what our Lord called it, right? And this other system that's coming, which is holy and righteous and God is going to be ruling. Now, looking at that, Jesus said this in Mark 8, 38. Can we go back to that verse? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... Of him 
the Son of Man, that is himself, will also be ashamed when he returns or comes in the glory of his Father, that new world system. Wow. Jesus said, you know what? If you're ashamed of me here on this earth, I'm going to be ashamed of you when I return. I tell you, we need to publicly identify ourselves with Christ. Never, ever be ashamed to be called a Christian. Here's why. Primarily, Jesus paid for three things in your life that you and I should always be thankful for and never be ashamed of Him for. First of all, He has already paid for all the sins of our past. Our past, everything we've done. Think of the thing that you feel most guilty about in your past. The thing that has caused you the most shame in your life. The thing that you wish you'd never happen and you regret it deeply. And then now, thank God because of Jesus' sacrifice on Calvary's cross. That thing has been paid for and forgiven and wiped out as if it never happened. Thank Him for forgiving our gracious past, our, our sick past with His grace. Second thing Jesus paid for is our current freedom. The freedom you and I walk in right now. We sang about it earlier. Jesus Christ paid for our freedom. Think of the freedom that we have because of Jesus. Think of the changes that Jesus has given you in your life. Think of the courage. Think of the patience. Think of the love. Think of the daily how he helps you. And, and thank him for those changes. Thank Him for giving you the power to change today, tomorrow. And then I'll tell you another thing that Jesus has paid for that should make us grateful. Jesus has not only paid for our past, He's not only paid for our, our freedom for right now, but Jesus has paid for our future. Because of His sacrifice, you can have a future secure in heaven. The Bible talks about it and says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has prepared for them who love Him. I may mess up. I may mess up tomorrow. I don't know. I may mess up. You know what? I, I hit my thumb with a hammer and I don't do good things. God says, it's handled. My son died for it. My son covered it. You're still going to go to heaven. Aren't you glad you're not in today, out tomorrow, in today, every time? You kick the dog, you're out. You're speaking an unkind word to your husband, you're out. Aren't you in, you're out. You're... No, 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 no. How dare we? How dare we not publicly identify with the one who can change us this way? He's changed things in my life that no one could change. Jesus Christ has the power to change lives like nothing in this world can. No fad, no therapy, no pill. Nothing can change lives the way Jesus changes them. Jesus turns failures into successes. He turns fearful, weak people into confident people. He turns selfish, egotistical, prideful people into loving, gentle servants. He turns wife abusers into loving husbands and distant dads into caring fathers. He turns drug addicts into good, responsible citizens. He sets captives free and he does it, does it, and does it time and time again and only he does it. How many of you would say, Jesus Christ has radically changed my life? Yes. Me too. Now you remember this. That is why we are here. To see Him change lives. We're not here to impress anybody. We're not here to just 
go through the rituals. We're not here to build buildings. We're not here to build monuments to ourselves or start new programs. We're not here to have a good time. We are here because the only one who can make the changes in human behavior that we are so desperate for in our society, the only person who can do that is Jesus Christ. He starts in our life. He moves to our family, our friends, and out into our culture. I am no way, shape, or form ashamed to be identified as a Christian. None. And when we do that publicly, he says, that guy, that girl, they love me. They love me. The final way to express worship, now there's many other ways, but these are broad categories, is simply by obeying and serving him. Write that down, by obeying and serving him. And you can rate yourself, by the way, on the prior one. But the fifth way is by obeying and serving Him. And that's what a life of worship is really all about. It's about commitment. Obeying and serving. Not out of fear, but because I'm committed to Him. In fact, you don't really love somebody if you're not committed to them. You think about that? Do you agree with that? You don't love someone if you're not committed to them. If you say to your husband or your wife, oh, I love you, but then you're going off with somebody else, you don't love them. You don't love them. You don't love them at all. You may have a mushy feeling. You may have attraction. You may have affection, but you don't love them because love is commitment. And if worship is loving God, we don't really worship Him unless we're committed to Him. Now you think about these statements about life. I think they're all true. Nothing significant ever happens without major commitment. Would you agree with that? Nothing significant, no business, no athlete, no records are ever broken, no records are ever set without commitment. I agree with that. Your commitments also, number two, determine your future. They really do. Whatever you're committed to is going to really determine your future. Second, thirdly, you are becoming whatever you're committed to. Did you know that? You're becoming whatever you're committed to. You know, your parents used to tell you, don't hang around them. Don't hang around them. Why? Because you're committed. what you're committed to is what you're becoming like. Now, you hear me and hear me well. You better choose your commitments carefully. Because if you're committed to the wrong things, you're going to become the wrong thing. I'll say this unequivocally without hesitation. You can never go wrong by being committed to Christ. You can, ne you can be as committed to Christ as you want to be. There's a lot of things that are questionable. Maybe good, maybe not. But this is not one of them. You'll never go wrong by being committed to Jesus Christ. And do you know the Bible says that God is actually looking for people whose hearts are committed to Him? So he can bless them, so he can use them. You know what the first step is in being committed to God, though? Is giving your life to him. It's realizing that he loves you. And, you know, isn't that something? Have you ever loved somebody that didn't return that love? You ever had that happen to you in life? Most of us had. We liked some boy. We liked some girl. We liked some person. 
but they didn't have any interest in us. That is a painful, painful thing, isn't it? Rejection of that kind is really difficult, really tough, really tough. So step number one, I just want you to know the God of this universe loves you. You remember people would rat you out sometimes? Hey, she likes you. Hey, he likes you. You'd feel so betrayed, but you wanted a person to know, but you didn't, right? It's embarrassing. Hey, I'm ratting God out today. He loves you. Now, I'm serious as I can be. He loves you. He has deep, affectionate feelings for you. He created you. He sent his son to die to pay for your sins so you could spend eternity to him with him in his house forever. He loves you. Are you going to spurn him? Are you going to walk away? Hey, are you just going to let him love you and you're just going to say, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. Don't do that. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Just respond and say, Lord, Lord, I love you, or I want to love you. You see, worship is not just something that happens in the four walls of a building. Worship can happen anywhere. Now listen to me. When you and I make it happen. A lot of ways to express our love to God. We've just looked at a few. But first you need to establish a relationship with him so you can learn to express your love to him more. You know, I opened up with an illustration about my daughter. I told one a little bit later about her coming to me and just needing gas. Dad, I need some gas. Any parent knows that happens a lot. But think about this. What if a stranger came up to me and said, I need some gas. Hmm. I'd need to know a little more, right? I'd need to know, like, why would you ask me? Or I'd need to know, where's your car? I'd need to know, like, I wouldn't just give them money. Because nobody gives me money. I have to work for my pay. You have to work for yours. Why would I treat my daughter one way and I'd treat a stranger an entirely different way? Simple. There's a relationship. I love her. And she loves me. And that makes it much easier for me to grant her requests. No different with God. Let's pray with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm asking you today, do you have a relationship with God? Do you? Say, how do I get one? Well, you need to do exactly what Scripture says you need to do. And you might even just bow your head and pray a prayer with me. Would you pray this prayer in your heart? If you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ and you'd like to, you can just say something like this. You could say, God, I realize I need you. Jesus, I've realized what you did for me on the cross. And I could never repay you for what you've done. 
And I realize that everything I have is a gift from you. Please forgive me for not trusting you in the past. Today I want to trust my life to you. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Please save me, Lord, right now. I trust you as my Savior. There are many of us who did that many years ago, and uh, maybe the relationship's grown cold. Through this process today, maybe, maybe, just maybe, God's Spirit has put His finger on one or two of the problems, and I would encourage you just to... Here's the great thing about the Lord and His love. He loves you so much, He just wants you to come back. He doesn't care where you've been. He doesn't care who made your bed. He's already died for you, and he just wants you to come home and love him. You can come home with a simple prayer, and this week begin to work on the areas that, <clears throat> that he has targeted your heart with today. So Holy Spirit, please move during this time of invitation. Help us to respond accordingly as you would have us to respond, the great lover of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.